Hey, I'm Mary Ellen Dance, licensed mental health counselor and owner of Pittsburgh Therapy. I'm on a mission to strip away the stigmas surrounding therapy and mental health and talk about how we can use the culture of self-improvement for our benefit rather than our demise. I used to think I was doing life all wrong, from getting fired from a dream job to advising clients on relationships while I myself was trying to sort through that dumpster fire. But then I realized my imperfections are what made me a good therapist. So join me on a journey not to be perfect, but to be well, okay-ish. Welcome. Your session has now started. Hello. Thanks so much for being here with me today. I'm your host, Mary Ellen. I'm so excited to talk to you. I hope everyone's having a great Monday. One of the reasons I'm really excited to talk to you all today is because I talk about anxiety a lot like a lot, because I think we can all relate to it. But I usually talk about it from the lens of the person who's experiencing anxiety. I don't often talk about it from a lens of someone who's supporting someone with anxiety. And so I want to talk about it from that perspective today, from someone who maybe doesn't totally understand anxiety, but maybe they're a parent of someone who struggles with anxiety or married to someone or even a friend of someone who struggles with anxiety. Because it's really important. And oftentimes, when we're supporting people with anxiety, we can be accidentally making it worse. Now, If you're listening and you're like, oh, well, I'm really anxious, this is still good to listen to, right? Because it's just looking at anxiety in a little bit of a different way. So let's dive right into it. By now, we probably all know that anxiety is a liar. I talk about that all the time. Anxiety lies to you, but it's it's a really, really good liar. And one thing I talk about with people who are anxious, one thing that I myself can relate to a lot is the difference between my emotional brain and my logical brain. My emotional brain will sometimes say, you're anxious, this is why, I'm your anxiety, I'm lying to you, let me make you anxious. And on the logical side of my brain, I'll think, okay, this is ridiculous, Um, this is just anxiety, I know this is just anxiety, but that doesn't always match up with the emotional part. And so I don't know about all of you, but sometimes I fight with myself. I feel like I am having this fight with myself where the logical side is trying to fight the anxiety and sometimes logic wins, but a lot of the time anxiety wins. And this is what I work on with clients a lot of the time is to, okay, how can we quiet that emotional side and get the logical side a little bit like louder and stronger? So when anxiety is lying to us, we're kind of in that emotional side. We're not really hearing logic. I don't know if any of you can can maybe think of an instance where you're having a conversation with someone and they are just not hearing you. They are just in their own anxiety bubble. It's tough. It's tough to talk to someone who is struggling with that. It's really, really tough. The example I like to use is um, a teenager who breaks up with who who's breaks up with their first love. And this teenager may be crying to you and saying, I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to love again. Obviously, that's not logical. We all know that's not logical. The teenager also knows that's not logical. 
But the emotional brain is so, so big and so powerful in that moment. The anxiety is basically screaming at them in that moment that they're not hearing the logic. They are not hearing the logic at all. And so what what the non-anxious person often does in these scenarios is try to say, oh, you, you will find love again. And guess what that does? That sometimes sort of makes it worse. Because if I'm feeling that emotional and if my anxiety is basically screaming at me, the logical goes in one ear and out the other. Actually, quite frankly, it would probably piss me off. (laughs) Sometimes if I'm like really anxious and really stressed and someone is like, oh, it's fine. Not to be invalidating, but just to show the logical side. I just, I get mad. I get mad. So as a support person, if we're able to recognize, oh, this person is not able to hear logic right now, we can support them in other ways. We can validate their feelings. We can say, you know what? This sucks. This sucks that you feel that way. And I'm sorry that you feel that way. And hopefully you'll feel better soon. Even though that doesn't seem like you're doing a lot, that's, that's helping. That's slowing down the anxiety voice, slowing down the emotional brain. Another way that we can help people who are struggling with anxiety is letting them know that they don't need their anxiety. I talk a lot about how anxiety, this, this loud emotional anxiety voice inside of us often tries to, first of all, it lies to us, which we just talked about, but it also often tries to trick us. It tries to trick us into thinking we need it. If I'm not anxious, I'm not going to get that promotion. If I'm not anxious, I'm not going to be prepared if the other shoe drops. And so then as a support person of someone with anxiety, if someone is feeling like they need this anxiety, like I'm not going to pass this test unless I'm this anxious. If someone's feeling that way and you say to them, no, you are going to pass the test or you've studied, you're prepared, like it's okay. They think that they need the anxiety. Anxiety is manipulative like that. It, it tells us we, we need to hold on to this. We're better with anxiety. So if we can gently let that person know, hey, the anxiety isn't going to give you that promotion. You're going to get that promotion because you're a badass. The anxiety isn't going to help you to prepare for anything. You're already prepared. If we can look at it from that way, that's less of a power struggle with the anxiety. So often we accidentally get into this fight with with other people and it's we're not actually fighting with the other person. We're fighting with their anxiety. Right. And so we can learn as support people for people who are anxious to not fight with the anxiety and to kind of address it in a different way. That's going to be a game changer. All right. So, so far. If we're a support person where someone's having anxiety, maybe recognize that they're not in a place to hear the logical thinking because they're anxious and we can support them and validate them and just be with them. And if we can also remember that they might be thinking, this person might be thinking, I have to hold on to my anxiety. I need anxiety. And if we can remember that and remind the person that their anxiety is not what makes them who they are that's going to be huge, huge. So another thing that I talk about with anxiety a lot is that anxiety is based in the past and the future, not the present. And, you know, that's all well and good 
to say, okay, focus on the present. But like who really is focusing on the present all the time? It's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. And focusing on the present, uh, another term for that is being mindful. And we may have heard of mindfulness, and there's lots of wonderful practices around mindfulness. Yoga helps, meditation helps, all of these things. But it's virtually impossible to be mindful all the time. And when we're struggling with anxiety, it's even harder to be mindful. It's even harder to be in the present moment. And that may be frustrating for people who are supporting someone else with anxiety. That may be really frustrating, actually. If you're trying to talk to someone about something going on in the present and their mind is boom, boom, boom into the past and into the future and the what ifs and the hypotheticals and all of this, that can be a little frustrating. So as support people, what do we do about that? Well, there's a few things we can do. One thing we can do is we can distract the person. If someone, if I'm having a conversation with someone and they are perseverating and they are spiraling and they're, they're talking a mile a minute and they're talking about the past and the future and the past and the future and the hypothetical of this and what if this, I distract them. I say, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. What are you having for dinner tonight? They may be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why are you asking me about dinner? I'm like talking about this, you know, what if I die in a volcano, right? But if we can bring that person down a little bit, bring them into the present, kind of like, kind of like popping that anxiety bubble for a minute, that can help the person to kind of self-soothe and calm themselves down and then have a more productive conversation. The biggest problem I see with people who struggle with anxiety and their loved ones or someone who doesn't struggle with anxiety is that they get into power struggles. They get into this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. For example, one person. Um, actually, here's, a, here's an example that just happens with one of my clients. They're going on a vacation and they're worried about dying. They're worried about dying on the flight or dying on the vacation, or they're very anxious about this. And their loved one was like, that's ridiculous to be anxious about. Cars are way more dangerous than planes. Like you've been on a plane before. You're going to be fine. All true things, all logical, true things. But the client who's anxious is like, um, no, I'm not going to be fine. It's going to be different this time. It's going to be different this time. And then it was this back and forth of I'm not going to be fine. You are going to be fine. I'm not going to be fine. You are going to be fine. And guess what it ended in? A huge blow up fight, a, a big power struggle that, that just made everyone upset. And now mind you, it's not the support person's job to recognize when someone else is feeling anxious. I get that. But there are some indicators. There are some indicators of, okay, if this person is spiraling about dying on a plane, maybe anxiety's there right now. Maybe they're feeling anxious. Again, it's not our job to know when someone else is feeling anxious, we can always ask them, but we can take some hints from what they're saying. We can take some hints from how fast they're talking, from how illogical they might be being. But anyways, back to this example of the back and forth of um, the one person thinking they're going to die on a plane and the other person saying like, oh my gosh, calm down. What do you want to do? Just cancel the trip? Like, this is ridiculous. And then the first person says, well, maybe we should cancel the trip. And then this we get it, right? We can see how this happens. If the support person had not fought with the anxiety, the fight probably wouldn't have happened. If the support person had not tried to engage with the anxious mind, the anxious thought of, 
that this person was going to die on an airplane. That would have given the anxiety much less power because here's the thing with anxiety. The more we focus on it, the worse it is. And so fighting with it is focusing on it. It's like a small child who, if they can't get positive attention, they're going to try to get negative attention. That's, that's anxiety. If we start fighting with the anxiety and say, no, you're not going to die in a plane, like stop being overdramatic. Oh, that just made the anxiety bigger. That's like giving the anxiety gas. So I often tell family members of clients or spouses or parents of clients, I often tell them to not get on the carousel. If the person who's anxious is on a carousel, you know, those really slow things in in malls. (laughs) If they're going on the carousel of thoughts of what if this happens? What if this happens? I can't do this. What if this happens? Don't get on the carousel with them. Don't say, well, it's not going to happen. And why are you being upset over this? And this is ridiculous, isn't it? Mm -mm, That's getting on the carousel. If we as the support person can stay off the carousel and say, hey, I'm waving to you on the carousel. I'm here. I'm here when, when, when you're calm. I, I know you're feeling anxious right now and that sucks, but I'm just going to wait until it calms down so I don't get into this power struggle with anxiety that actually feeds the anxiety and actually makes it worse. I'm just going to wait over here. They might get a little mad at you, but it is going to lessen the anxiety. I used to have a, a big fear of throwing up. So I would overcook any of my chicken. I actually still kind of overcook my chicken. It doesn't taste very good. But I would over I would overcook any foods. If I like heard of someone who had a stomach bug, I would get really anxious. If I like felt the slightest bit off, I would get really anxious about, oh my gosh, am I going to throw up? Am I going to throw up? And so what I would do is I would call my mom and I would be like, mom, this coworker's daughter's friend had the stomach bug. Do you think I'm going to get sick? Do you think I'm going to throw up? right? It was ridiculous, completely anxious thinking. Now, I don't think anyone likes throwing up, but calling your mom and saying, you know, this is ridiculous. Am I going to throw up? That That's anxious thinking. And here's what my mom would do. She would say, no, you're not going to throw up. No, you're not going to throw up. And this is why. And I would say, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And she would say, no, 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 no. That's really nice and lovely, right? But that was her getting on the carousel with me. And guess what that did? that kept me on the carousel, that kept the anxiety going, that gave the anxiety gas. So my brother, if I would call my brother and say, hey, I'm worried I'm going to throw up. He would say, I'm not going to engage in this conversation with you. I know you're worried about that. And I'm sorry, you're worried about that. I don't want you to be worried about that, but I'm not going to engage in the conversation with you. Whereas my mom would be like, well, what did you eat today? And how long were you around the person? And no, you're probably fine. And no, right. She would engage with it. And as lovely as it was because in those moments, all my anxiety wanted was someone to engage with it. That was making the anxiety worse. It was keeping that cycle going. Whereas my brother stayed off the carousel and was like, Hey, I'm over here. When you're, when your anxious thoughts kind of simmer down a little bit, I'm happy to talk to you about it. I feel bad that you're feeling this way. I don't want you to be feeling this way, but I'm not engaging with it. So much more effective. The last thing that I want to tell us about supporting someone with anxiety is that anxiety never, ever, ever shows up to the party alone. Never. So if someone you're supporting is struggling with anxiety, it may be helpful to say, hey, how else are you feeling? What else is going on? Maybe they're feeling insecure. Maybe they're feeling scared. Maybe they're feeling lonely. If we can focus and help support those feelings underneath the anxiety, 
that's also going to quiet the anxiety down. So like I mentioned, it's not our responsibility to identify when someone else is feeling anxious. We can always ask the person, hey, where are you at right now? Are you anxious? Like, are you feeling a little anxious? And how can I help with that? It's always a good idea to ask the other person how they can support you. My mom and I have gotten into a really good routine. My mom actually does this with everyone where she'll say, you know, okay, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? (laughs) Because we don't know how to respond. So it's always, 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 always okay to ask the person if they're feeling anxious, to ask the person, hey, you sound like you're kind of spiraling a little bit. Are, Are you feeling anxious and do you need something from me? Like, can I help in any way? That's always, always, always okay to ask. But it's important for us as support people to remember, are we fighting this anxiety, emotional mind with logic and it's not working? Are we getting on the carousel with the anxiety and keeping it going round and round and round? Are we, you know, fighting with the anxiety? Are we forgetting that there's a lot of other emotions going on that maybe we could be a support to? It's hard and it's really frustrating. It's frustrating to have anxiety. It can be frustrating to support someone with anxiety because, again, it's not the person. It's not their fault they're having these anxious thoughts. But anxiety can be a little bitch, right? It can be a little bitch and it can tell us these crazy things and make us focus on these crazy things. And that can be frustrating. But if we can think about starving the anxiety instead of feeding it, that's going to help us. Hopefully this helps. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Please remember to give the podcast a follow and I'll see you next week. Please follow me wherever you're listening to this podcast and on Instagram at okayishpodcast. Also, I would love it if you could rate the podcast and leave a review. The best way to get in contact with me is to go to okayishpodcast.com and submit a comment, question. You can do it anonymously too, which is so great. I will see you guys next Monday. I can't wait.